Welcome to the Freedom Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are investing in your relationship with the Lord by listening to this message. Check out our YouTube channel for a complete log of all of our sermons. If you would like to know more about FC, visit our website at www.freedomfamily.us. God bless and remember that the best is yet to come. Well, good morning. I'm just uh, checking my mic, making sure we're all good here. Did y'all enjoy uh, Party Pastor T? With uh, the strobe effects, it was, uh, you couldn't see, it was actually at a, at a rave and there was a dance, all the kind of, I'm making all of this up, none of that's true. I'm sorry, we do have technical difficulties from time to time. How, do you, how many of you guys know that for every move that you make toward God, the enemy tries a counter move to keep you from fulfilling what God's called you to do, amen? Amen, and I wanna take just a second, we have a tremendous tech team that scrambles and makes things happen. And guys, we had technical issues for the first service. We're gonna have technical issues for the second service. But because we have a tech team of integrity, because we have leaders here with integrity, that is not going to slow down the gospel from moving in this place today. And we are grateful to God for that, amen. And this is not just any team, this is not just any group of people. These teams, these people have been cultivated by by our lead pastor who we just heard giving that introduction and our first lady, Ms. Shanda. Can we hear it for them and thank them for pouring into this church family, for loving us so well. Telling you, man, God is so good. We got to hear from Pastor Stacy earlier. We've got to hear from other leaders here at the church. God has a mission for us today. God has something really big in store for today. So I want to get out of the way of God's intentions this morning, and I just want to be an arbiter of it by his grace. So we're going to dive into this. I'm going to read a little bit from Psalm chapter 118 first. Um, You can jump in if you want to. It's 118 beginning at verse 21, but really I want us to listen and receive this as though it's from David. We'll go into uh, a time of prayer, and then we'll jump right into this message. I'm so excited by by God's grace. Here we go. David says in Psalm 118, I will offer all my loving praise to you, and I thank you so much for answering my prayer and bringing me salvation. This very stone that the Masons rejected as flawed has turned out to be the most important capstone of the arch holding up the very house of God. The Lord himself is the one who has done this. And it's so amazing, so marvelous to see. This is the very day of the Lord that brings gladness and joy, filling our hearts with glee. Oh God, please come and save us again. Bring us your breakthrough victory. Blessed is this one who comes to us, the sent one of the Lord. And from within the temple we cry, we bless you. For the Lord our God has brought us his glory light. I offer him my life in joyous, joyous sacrifice. Tied tightly to your altar, I will bring you praise for you are the God of my life, and I lift you high, exalting you to the highest place. So let's keep on giving our thanks to God, for he is good. His constant, tender love lasts forever. God, we give you praise in this place today.
Father, every bit of this is for you. Let this not just be an excited war cry on a Sunday morning. May this be the song of our heart that carries outside of this building. May this be the evidential truth of your working in us that the world outside of here sees in the Monday through Saturday. May this be a truth that we walk in and accept, not just as our belief, but as the truth, as the way, as the life, as Christ that we would offer him to others just as he was offered for us and for our sins. Father, as we read of your favor today, as we learn of your favor, inhabit this study. May your Holy Spirit lead our eyes in the scriptures to where they will go. Lead our hearts to accept and receive and grow as you have called each of us to be the men and women of God that you created us to be. Help us to follow you. Help us to love you. And if we do not know you, if we have not yet tasted and seen that you are good, may our hearts be softened to receive the only pathway to the promise that is in your Son, Christ. May we learn of you. May we love you. May our relationship with you grow as a result of our time here today. And it is for your honor and for your glory in the very name of Christ, all God's men and women said, amen. Amen. How good is God in this place? I'm telling you, we're talking about God's favor today. And this is not a topic that is handled well, right? So often God's favor is mishandled in a couple different directions. We think of God's favor as like this sort of prosperity theology sometimes. And it's like if you're really, 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 really good at following God, he's going to give you a personal jet. If you're really, really, really good at following God, he's going to give you a nice car and a fat bank account and all these other things. But this is such a narrow-minded perspective. And we even go the other direction and say, actually, if you really, really, really love God and you love Jesus, you're going to be like Jesus and you're going to be largely homeless. And you're going to get rid of all of your earthly possessions. And you're going to let go of everything. And you're just going to live like a nomad. And you're just going to wander from town to town. And you're never going to get married. Yeah. That could be cool, right? You know, no, we hear all of these extremes, and here's the thing. God's favor, like God's love for us, is as specific for you as his relationship with you is as your father. And here's what I mean. The grace that gave David the ability to fill a sling with a little smooth river stone and completely destroy Goliath in one strike is the same favor that led him to from his life when his would-be adoptive father, uh, the uh, King Saul of the time, started seeking for his life out of jealousy. When David was running for his life, it was God's favor. When David was given the keys to the kingdom as king of Israel, it was God's favor. When David toppled Goliath, it was God's favor. And when David fasted for the life of his child conceived out of infidelity, still he was in pursuit of of God's favor. So I ask you guys, with me, to be willing to no longer be comfortable with our VeggieTales Prince of Egypt understanding of Scripture and instead to receive the truth of the gospel by maturing away from the milk. As adults, if we maintain on the same milk that sustained us as infants, we would be very feeble, very sickly, very malnourished, and very unhealthy as adults. True or false? True, yes, we absolutely would. That don't cut it as grown-ups. 
It's the same way spiritually. If we continue to allow our Sunday school stories to be the foundation and sole uh, understanding of some of the most pivotal, impactful moments of Scripture, we are instead choosing to still sustain ourselves on the milk. And this is coming from a guy whose first introduction to David and Goliath was junior asparagus and a giant pickle, right? That was my introduction to David and Goliath. Like in my mind, I wasn't thinking this is the same David that as a shepherd boy was slaying lions and bears with his bare hands. That's a bad man. That is a bad man. Like, like you, you know, Tyson back in the day, he's like, I'm a bad man. You know, or that was, it was someone, it was a boxer. Sorry. That was someone, I promise, uh, Muhammad Ali. Right, that's who it was. Sorry. I forgot. Anyway, it was one of these boxers. We think these guys are bad. Dude, David before he stepped into his kingship, before he was a warrior of warriors, was a bad man, Majama, because he came in the name of the Lord. He walked, he lived in God's favor. He sought God's favor. But what in the world is favor? That's what we mess up, right? We're kind of a bubble in the United States. The United States church looks very different than some of the European churches. It looks very different than some of the Asian countries' churches right? It it just looks different depending on where you go. We have a very cultural version of the way we do church and the way we do gatherings, and unfortunately for some of us, that tends to infiltrate the way we even interact with the Bible. So when we're sustained by this old school, Sunday school, Veggie Tales, Prince of Egypt version of the gospel, we're really doing ourselves an injustice to mature into the men and women that God created us to be and to mature our understanding of these scriptural truths. So when we look at God's favor without the pursuit of spiritual biblical maturity, we're going to miss the mark. We're going to think that it is either prosperity theology or we're going to think that it is poverty theology. But the truth is God's favor is unique to each and every person depending on their calling. And so today, if you guys are note takers, and I'm a note taker, I love taking notes. Uh, My favorite computer game is Microsoft Excel. I love things to be in a chart, nice and nerdy. I take notes on all kinds of stuff with bullet points. Don't forget that bullet point feature. Yeah, notes on your phone, you can create bullet points. All you have to do is a little star asterisk thing, space bar, bullet point. You're welcome. Let's take up an offering and go home. No, listen, that's... That's not, that's, that's not, we, we've got so much good stuff, I'm so excited to jump into it, and I just, I want to get out of the way of the word, let's dive into it, okay? So the first thing we're reading is from the book of Exodus, chapter 33, verses 12 through 17, I'm sorry, Thanksgiving turkey is still drying me out. Ooh, praise God. Exodus chapter 33, verses 12 through 17. This is Moses having a conversation with God. Okay, so you guys know Moses, right? How many of y'all know about Moses and the exodus of the Israelites, okay? How many of y'all only know that because you saw Prince of Egypt? Thank you for your honesty. Um, I love you guys very much. There's so much more to be had here. So let's go. Exodus 33. Hope I gave you guys enough time to either pull it up on your phone or flip through your Bibles. Um, Moses said to the Lord, beginning at verse 12, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send me or whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. 
If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. Bold words from Moses, yes? But not unlike the kind of language that a loving child would have with their loving father. Let's keep reading. The Lord replies, my presence will go with you, verse 14, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Really wise question to ask the Lord right here. Like if you've got one-on-one counsel with the Lord and as a prophet you're speaking to him and you have this opportunity to ask, this is a great question that Moses asks, right? Just straight up telling the Lord, hey, if you're not in it, we ain't doing it. We can't afford to make this move if you're not right in the middle of it. Man, if us Christians, if we could just do that more. If we could go to God more and be like, man, this is an exciting move. But if you're not in it, I need to take a step back. This is powerful. Take note of this because this is the Lord's response. I'll again read what Moses said. If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Moses is saying, if you're not in it, we're going to blend in. We're not going to do what we're supposed to do. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you, and I know you by name. Moses had the Father's favor, but not for the reasons that we think. We think, well, Moses was a righteous man, right? Moses was the coolest. Moses was the best. Moses was, skirt, a murderer, A literal murderer. Think of it. His exile was not born from obedience. Him being exiled as a nomad and then having that incredible encounter with God, that was not an act of obedience. That was an act of exile because he murdered someone within the walls of Egypt. If you guys have seen The Prince of Egypt, you know how this goes down. And it's not even like, I think the show or the movie kind of plays it out to be like, oh, there's a struggle and then oops, he fell. Oh, no. Right? But like straight up, if you read the scripture in Exodus, he was, there was a guard being hard on a Jew. And he knew he was a Jew or of, of, of Hebrew descent. And so he killed the guard that was giving one of his people a hard time. And then he buried the body. You don't bury the body on an oopsie, right? You don't go all breaking bad because you had had an accident. You would call the authorities and be like, it was self-defense and also I'm a prince. You know, like, you'd think that would carry some favor, right? But that's not actual favor. What we're doing is we're missing the mark on favor. We think favor as in like, 
doing someone a favor, right? We think of favors like, hey, I'll do this for you, but you owe me a favor. Or in the corporate world, you guys have conversations like, look, we need to get this done, but you're going to need to call in some favors, right? We think favors is like a merit-demerit system. I owe you, you owe me, <laughs> finger guns, right? Like, we think, like, you know, that's, that's how favors work, but that's not actually the favor of the Bible. That's not the favor that's being described here. Well, how do we know that? We go back to the original text. We go back to the Hebrew. The book of Moses in the exodus of the children of Israel out of Egyptian slavery, the term favor in Hebrew is chen. It might be chen, but we're going to go with chen because that's the way Strong's Concordance spells it, so that's the way the Lord is going to let me present it today. Praise God. Um, the term chen, what we read as favor, literally translates to grace. Well, suddenly that changes things, doesn't it? Suddenly we're not looking for God's favor so that our bank accounts will be filled. Suddenly we're not looking for God's favor so we're going to marry that wealthy individual, right? Suddenly we're not looking for God's favor because we're going to have an easy-peasy, really super casual, awesome marriage where nothing's ever going to go wrong and we're never going to fight and argue because that's a fantasy. Yeah. Everyone's squirming. But God's favor is God's grace. Now, we're not just going to look at the Old Testament. We're going to look at literally uh, an experience that happened around the birth of Christ, and then we're going to look at a New Testament example. So we're going to hit these three. But I want you guys to realize something first and foremost, that favor is about God's grace, and God's grace is enough whether it looks like it or not, whether it seems like it or not. And this is the most important aspect, whether it feels like it or not. Christians, we operate far too often on our feelings. Our feelings. Our feelings will deceive us into thinking that God's not there. Our feelings will lie to us and say God's not listening. That's why scripture warns us against being mastered by anything, including our feelings. Well, I've just got a temper that gets away from me. Hey, I understand that. I, I get that. I understand temper. I understand emotion. I'm a pretty emotional dude, right? I cry a lot. Like, you've seen me help lead worship. It was like one of my buddies who's now a good friend. He's like, man, I got to be honest. When I, when I first saw you and first met you, I was like, this dude's phony as a $3 bill. Like, there's no way. Like, this is so. And then he gets to know me. He's like, you're re actually that dramatic in real life. He's like, this is really you. I'm like, Right? I mean, I know I'm over the top. I know I'm, what, what do y'all say, extra? I know I'm extra. I'm at peace with this decision. But that's who God made me to be, right? I'm very emotional. But if I'm not careful, I can be ruled by my emotions. I, I can let my sadness and despair talk a lot louder than my faith and experience with Christ. Suddenly things feel more hopeless than I trust in the hope that God promised me. But that's not how favor works. See, favor isn't something we earn. Favor isn't something we work real hard and achieve. Favor isn't something like a merit-demerit system like we treat each other. Our favors are not like God's favor. As much of our thing is not like God's thing. He says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. That's so true. 
God's favor for us is not like our favors for other people. God's favor for us is out of his love for us. It is something that he offers unconditionally. And when we don't have God's favor in our life as Christians, as those who've chosen to follow Christ and receive God's favor through him, because there's no other way to God's favor except through Jesus. Understand this. But if we find an aspect or area of our life where we don't feel like we're receiving God's favor, that is altogether likely because we have not opened up that area or aspect of our life to God completely. Because understand, God knows the desires of our hearts. He wants us to have the desires of our hearts. But when he comes into our heart, he also loves us far too much to leave our desires the way that he finds them. Because the goal is that God gives us everything we want, but the ultimate goal is that God tells us what to want. That God helps our wants get changed into things that are holy, into things that are uplifting, into things that are healthy, that are building for the community, for the kingdom, for those around us, for our own well-being, for our own relationship with Christ. We're talking to Baba, Abba, our Father. This is Dad. This is not some drill sergeant military leader that's just eager, hanging on the edge of a cloud, waiting to push the smite button. He's not trying to dish out punishment so we'll learn our lesson. Not all of us had the privilege of growing up with a loving father. So this can be a very difficult concept for us to wrap our head around and understand. But when Moses spoke to God and he spoke boldly, it was from a son to his father. 400 years of Egyptian slavery the Israelites were subjected to. And then God in his wonderful brilliance foretold of a young man being born and Pharaoh made sure that all of the firstborns were killed and then Moses' mother in a plea to preserve him faithfully, putting him in a basket, floating down the river. You guys have seen the movie, have you read the text? Then you know that literally God raised the liberator of his people under the nose, care, and dime of the liberator himself. He was raised as a prince under the care of the Pharaoh. He's the one who would liberate these people, called by God. In God's favor, he grew, and in God's favor, he was exiled, and in God's favor, he found family, and in God's favor, he returned to the place of his exile, and in God's favor, he saw a multitude of plagues, and then eventually, in God's favor, he saw his people freed. In God's favor. Not always pretty. Not always fun, but always his grace. Always exactly what we need. Let's look for a, a, a more recent example. Let's go to the New Testament. Luke chapter 1, verses 28 through 30. We first had a conversation between Moses and God. We're now going to give you a conversation between Mary and Gabriel. Really cool conversation here. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, Favored woman, sweet word there, Gabe. Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, because let's face it, who wouldn't be, right? Like, Mary was a young woman. We're, we're, 
have reason to believe that she was most likely between the ages of 12 and 15 at this time. Like, very young woman, okay? And has this experience, this mighty archangel of God appears, light, right there. I'll find any reason to throw a kick during a sermon, praise God. Comes down into the space, greetings! Ah, You know, like, and there's just, there's this little girl, like, uh, do I call? I don't, phones aren't a thing yet. Uh, How do, uh, I don't know what to do. I haven't watched The Chosen yet. You know, like, this is, this is a, a seemingly dire situation. And yet, Mary's description was confused and disturbed, but not checking out, not fleeing, not running away. And Mary tried to think of what the angel could mean. Okay, there's an angel of the Lord here. He must have a purpose. Let me find this purpose and fulfill it. Mary was faithful. Mary took her fear and took her absence of knowledge, some would say ignorance, but I think we use the word ignorant inappropriately as well. She took her absence of knowledge and instead of hoarding it and holding close to it and feeling like a really smart, objective, you know, free thinker, she just handed it right over to God. She said, God, I'm giving this to you. I'm giving you my fear. And guess what? That gave room for God's favor, for God's grace. So the angel responds, don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. What great things for the kingdom could a potentially 15-year-old girl have done by that point in her life? Who knows? Yet she found favor in God. Why? Because there was not a place in her heart she wasn't allowing God to speak into. There's not a place in her heart that she was not submitting to God. Think of what the angel promised her. He told her, he's like, you're going to give birth to the Son of God. Which what she could have heard was, I, out of wedlock, betrothed to another man, as a young woman, am going to be pregnant, probably going to be ostracized by my entire community. Also, I'm a woman in like first century A.D., and I'm probably going to be jailed, shunned, exiled, like we said before, possibly even killed. I'm for sure going to be excommunicated from all of my people. The ones that love me and talk to me aren't going to be a part of my life anymore, so I'm for sure unclean. But there was no wrestling for Mary. When she was told what was going to take place, you know what she does? This beautiful, faithful young woman, she sings. She sings. She was just given the worst bad practical news a human being can ever give another human being. Your life is over by practical terms. But because of God's favor, because she trusted and gave all of this practical bad news to God She was so overjoyed at the promise he had made for her in the presence and the truth of his favor that she sang. She praised him. She rejoiced in that moment. We get bummed out when the Wi-Fi cuts out. That was sort of a punchline, but, you know, think about this. 
She trusted in God's favor because she knew that he was offering it. She knew that he was rich in favor. When scriptures say that God tells us his grace is sufficient for us, then his grace is all we need. God's favor is all that we need. But then what does favor mean in the New Testament, right? We looked at favor in the Old Testament. That's Hebrew, chen, meaning grace. Okay, let's find out what favor means in the Greek. It's charis. And it also means, how about that? Grace and kindness. So if favor means grace in the Old Testament, and favor means grace in the New Testament, then in our pursuit of God's favor, could we instead say, faithfully, and I would argue more plainly, that we be in pursuit of God's grace? Because the thing we need to understand about God's favor is that it does have a cost. There is a very steep cost to God's favor. And it's one that's so steep, in fact, that we couldn't pay it. There's a cost to God's favor. Do not think that because he offers it freely that it was freely purchased for us. This is a gift. Every gift you've ever been given was likely bought by someone else using their currency, using the, the thing that they had earned and worked so hard for. It has a price attached to it. Unless you've ever re-gifted something, and I know no one here has ever done that before, but you do understand where I'm coming from with this, right? This is God's favor. It came at a cost. We just didn't have to pay it. And I had a recent conversation with somebody who asked me to sit down and counsel them, speak life into them. I was, I was thrilled to do so. This is part of what we do as pastors. And so they sat down with me, and they're like, hey, Pastor Adam, thank you so much for meeting with me. They're like, here's the thing that I'm struggling. I'm struggling in my relationship, and I'm struggling in this sort of scenario. And then they go, now understand we're living together, and we're sleeping together, but we're not married. But, and, and please don't talk to me about this, because I don't have time for it, and I'm, just, I'm not going to change. But I need to figure out how to to get God's blessing and favor over this. And, and my response is, it is impossible to hand something to God and hold on to it at the same time. We simply can't. And this is not me telling you, uh, you don't get to do what you want, because that's not the basis of faith, that's not the basis of love, that's not the basis of a father. There's a reason the prodigal son let the prodigal go when he so desired, but when the prodigal came home, arms open wide, ring on his finger, kill the fatted calf, my son who was dead is now alive again and has returned home. There is great rejoicing, there is great love, there is great embrace, but there's no force. Hear me on this, there's no force. God doesn't demand every aspect of your life, but he can't enrich what you will not give to him. Understand? And here's what I mean when I say this, because we don't think a lot about these sort of things. We think, God, how come you're not blessing me here? Well, is here connected to some sort of secret sin that you've yet to repent for? I can't answer this question for you. This is something that only we can answer for ourselves. Is, is it connected in some way to some sort of unforgiveness that you have for someone who's maybe wronged you at one point in time in your life? Is it somehow connected to something that you've refused to hand over to God because you're like, no, this one's mine. I want to keep this. I want to keep this aspect. I want to keep this secret. I want to keep this little part of me to myself because, God, I'm afraid of what you're going to tell me to get rid of.
It's not that we earn God's favor. It's that we don't allow him to have favor because we won't let go. There's a huge difference, huge difference. This is not a merit-demerit system. This is God giving us everything that he has all the time, and he's only waiting on us. I hear so many times people are saying, God, I want more of you, and I just, I can almost see God responding, no, I want more of you. I gave you all of me already. I sent my son to die on a cross for you. You need more? My grace is sufficient, he says. My grace is sufficient, he says. And that is God's favor. That is what we chase after. I'm going to close it out with this. We're going to do these two pieces of scripture, rapid fire. Romans 8, verse 32. Why would God hold back? Verse 32, since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Quick question, what's more valuable than Jesus? Not a doggone thing, is there? There's nothing more valuable than Jesus. Well, God gave Jesus for us. So who are we to think he's going to hold back the lesser stuff? Right? If he didn't hold back the greatest there is, Literally, dad is Mr. I own the cattle of a thousand hills, which is a poetic way of saying, like, he loaded. Right? God has no shortage of funds. And you're like, well, God, how come you're not giving me funds? He's like, because I'm giving you what you need. Because I know what you need. I made you. I gave you a purpose. And now I've equipped you with everything you need. Go. And we're sitting here like, like insolent children. It's like, more. I want more. Give me more. God's like, I love you too much to let you be weighed down by the things that you think you need but would only harm your ministry, that would only harm your momentum, that would only harm my calling for you. My children, I know you. I love you. I made you. Trust me so that my favor can reign in your life. That's what he's telling us. Psalm verse 106, I'm sorry, Psalm chapter 106 verse 4 says, Remember me, Lord, when you show favor to your people. Come near and rescue me. Remember me, Lord, when you show favor to your people. This echoes language that would be heard later from another guy that was on the cross next to Jesus. This says, Son of God, when you enter your kingdom, remember me. This is not a faithful man. This is not a man that had dedicated his entire life to Christ. This is not someone that ever followed him in life, but in his dying breath, being hanged on the cross to his demise, reached over and said, Son of God, when you enter your kingdom, he's saying, I know who you are. And I'm about to die. So I'm spending my last few breaths acknowledging that you are the Son of God. And when you enter your kingdom, remember me. And what is the perfect representation of God on earth in Christ? What's his response? It's not, sorry, too little too late. It's not, sorry, did you pray this morning? Sorry, have you been following me this whole time? Because I really don't like people that are authentic. I don't like fakers. I don't like haters. None of that. None. 
none of that. Not a stitch of this man's past was brought up. The literal son of God turned to the man that was dying a death he had earned and said, surely this day you'll be with me in paradise. That's an invitation that's open for all of us. And I'm gonna tell you right now, I haven't earned that invitation. If anything, I've earned nothing but hell and death and destruction with the foolish, ignorant, self-centered choices that I've made in my life. But still, God loves me. I know he can love you. I know it. And if you have not accepted this, if you haven't tasted and seen that the Lord is good, man, you're missing out because I don't deserve to be loved this good. But I know that I'm loved. At times when I felt abandoned and left out by everyone else, and that wasn't true, but it's how I felt. Because we're convinced that we're much more alone than we really are by an enemy that wants to destroy us. Nothing could separate me from the love of Christ. I asked him into my heart at a very, very young age, and he has seen me through some crazy stuff. But it's only through him that I've even survived it. It's because of his favor, his unearned, unmerited, freely offered favor that my life is worth anything today. My prayer and all of our prayers and each one of these seats have been prayed over today is that no one leaves here without knowing their name is written in the Lamb's book of life. No one leaves here without that promise because there's only one way to God's favor and it's through Christ, the one that paid the ultimate penalty that none of us could ever possibly pay. And it was his cries of forgiveness, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing to me, that exemplifies the way this favor works. Even while he was being murdered, he was still offering favor. So after today, let him no longer be some malevolent force. This is not just the universe. We're not manifesting hope. We are talking to the creator because he's dad. I have four sons, they all call me different things. I'm called daddy, daddy Adam, dad and bro, right? I get. I get all kinds of things coming to me. And you know, if it's Abba, if it's Baba, if it's Dad, if it's Pops, if Sky Daddy's a little weird, but whatever you wanna go with, right? Like, I'm sure he just wants to hear from you. He just wants to know you see yourself as his child because it is not just what we believe, it's the truth. We best get to walking in it, Christians. But, but we can't if we don't know him. So we're gonna do the thing. In youth, we call this the thing. And this is where we bow our heads and we close our eyes out of honor and respect for those around us because this is a scary moment. Satan will convince you to be so uncomfortable in this moment because he does not like what you're about to do. And I say what you're about to do because I believe by the power of the Holy Spirit that he's gonna overwhelm you with such peace, such joy, such hope, such promise in the name of Jesus that you can't help but receive him. You can't help but know that he loves you. You can't help but know that there is one hope and it's in him. If it's not Jesus, don't answer. It's all good. It's all good. I'm teasing. 
There's one hope, and it's in Jesus. Like I'm telling you, nothing's gonna come in the way of his love for you. Let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes. I'm gonna ask you on the count of three to raise your hand and hold it up for just a second if you don't know Christ as your savior. Because this is the day. Today is the day of salvation. Give heaven a reason to party this morning. Surround us, okay? We're gonna surround you, we're gonna love you on the count of three. If you don't have Christ in your heart and you want to do that today, raise your hand on the count of three and hold it up. One, two, three. I wanna see those hands. I see those hands. See those hands. God loves you. You can put your hands down now. You can look up. God loves you so much. We're gonna say this prayer and then I'm gonna dismiss uh, uh, Sister Danny is going to come up here. She's going to let you guys know about some things, but this is the thing. This is the thing. This is Jesus. We're going to say this prayer. We're going to give everything over to him. Say it with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I love you. Forgive me. Take my sin. Fill me with your love. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Go with me all of my days. Help me give everything to you that I could walk in your favor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now listen, whether you raise your hand or not, if you said that prayer, Jesus gives a parable about a seed that's scattered on shallow ground. It takes root quickly because it's exciting. Getting to know God for the first time, it's very exciting, but then it very quickly perishes. It's, it's plucked and trampled on and destroyed. It doesn't survive long because it's not deep. We need to plant you guys deep. You are surrounded by a wealth of biblical knowledge and discipleship and people that love you. Be the seed that's planted deep. Come to us. Let us know that you made that decision. I and other pastors and leaders are gonna be over here in the connection corner. Please come see us after the service. We wanna get you hooked up with the Bible. We wanna get you hooked up with a mentor. We wanna get you hooked up in a connection group. Do not allow the enemy to convince you that you're done, because you're not. God has so much in store for you, but we want to cultivate that. We want to grow that. We want to love you well. Guys, do we have a mission to go out and fulfill in the name of Jesus? Yes. May we walk in his favor. May we follow him. Father, we love you. We thank you. Shine your favor on us. Help us to see it. Help us to submit everything to you that we've been holding on to, that you would take hold of it and your favor would be over it. And even if it makes us wildly uncomfortable, even if it makes us super uneasy, especially under those conditions, God, inhabit our efforts. Inhabit our submission to you. Give us the path so that we could walk out of here and tell others about you, that we would fulfill the Great Commission and create disciples of all nations. We love you. We thank you. We respond to your holy command with faithfulness, gratitude, and praise for this unbelievable favor you've granted to us through your son, Christ Jesus, in whose name all God's men and women said, amen. Amen. God you guys. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Adam. For that, the word, I needed it. Um, I'm so glad I don't have to earn God's favor. I'm so glad that I get to come with open hands to Jesus and receive what he has for me. Um, listen, just one more time. If God has moved in any way in your heart this morning, would you just give some more praise to him? He's worthy. 
Receive it, receive it, receive it. Praise God, praise God. Um, listen, if it is your first time here today, welcome. We are so glad that you came. Our lead pastor, Pastor Terrell, likes to say, give us a three-peat, which means come three times. And we'd love to love on you while you're here and, and see if this is where you want to plant, if this is where you want to become part of the family. And we hope that you make the decision to do that. Um, but today, since it's your first time, if you would reach for the connection card that's in the seat back in front of you and fill that out and take it to the info center out these middle doors, we just have a gift for you to say thanks for being here today and a little token so you can remember your time here. Um, and if you don't have time to go by the info center, totally okay. Just drop it in the buckets at the door. Uh, we have some friendly faces ready to say hi to you as you leave or bye, I guess. It would be bye now. So we're going to go into a time of giving. Um, I love this. I love this time. I love this season. And I love being a part of a generous church. God gave his all for us. And I'm so glad we get to join him in giving back and, and seeing what he does and how he, he grows and moves and builds the kingdom all around us. And so you'll see there's ways to give on the screen. Uh, you can give at the kiosk outside in the lobby. Um, however you give, uh, we want to be a generous people. We want to see God move. Um, I do have a couple of announcements for you guys today, but uh, let's just take a minute to breathe and pray over the offering, and, uh, and then I'll give those to you right before we dismiss. God, thank you so much for allowing us to join you in the work that you do. Thank you for calling us. Thank you for drawing us close to you. Thank you that you have provided for us. And I pray that, that during this time and during these weeks that we would not lose sight of you, that we would be generous, that we would reflect your heart. Um, thank you for giving us Jesus. And I pray, God, that we would live out each day uh, being so grateful, not just in word, but in deed, um, for what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, two things. One, do I have any parents in the room, parents of kids? I would assume you would be the parent of a kid. Okay, uh, so uh, we have a small group led by Miss Kay Oliver who wanted to do something special for our Freedom family this year. Um, I'm sure you all find it very difficult to go Christmas shopping for your kids when they are with you. Kind of spoils everything, right? So what they would like to do is on December 10th, from 10 to 2, they would like to watch your kids for you. Uh, so you can go Christmas shopping and uh, maybe even make it like a date day. I don't know. It could be really fun. So uh, we're going to send a link about that to our Freedom family later in the week. If you guys would like to sign up for that, uh, it's just something really cool that they're doing. I wanted to let you know about. And lastly, we have Christmas of Freedom invite cards at the door as you leave. Please take them. Please invite everybody that you know, because we want people to come to know Jesus. We want people to come to know Jesus. And a lot of people say that they would come to church if someone would just invite them. Let's be that person. I hope you guys have a great rest of your week, and we'll see you next Sunday.